The New York Giants are once again victorious. The record now 5-1 with a win today against the Ravens. And we keep on moving up, I would say, the rankings of the biggest wins of the season. It was the Bears, then the following week we're in London. It's the Packers, then the following week a bigger and a better offense. It's the Ravens. We are now 5-1, Alex. 24-20 win. Kayvon Thibodeau's first sack comes at the best point possible this season. Brian Dable, Wink Martindale, we talked about in our little recap video before we recorded this recap episode. They are the reasons. You have to start with them before you go to the players that this team is where they are right now at this point in the schedule. And yeah, I I don't know what else to say besides like if we got that win against the Cowboys, there's no better place that the team could be in than they are right now. Um, When it comes to momentum, when it comes to attitude in the locker room, all-time high. Feeling as a Giants fan, feeling as a Giants player, I'm sure, as well. We're going to get into all of it, but uh, Alex, first of all, how are you after this electric and fun afternoon of football we watched during the 1 o'clock hour? I am pumped, man. I know, you know, it doesn't sound like that because I was screaming at my TV, but I am so happy. Um, This Giants team is exceeding, I think, all of our expectations. Anyone who said the Giants are going to be five and one, um, you know, by by week, what what week are we at? By the end of week six, um, you know, they need to be, you know, tested, figured out like what the hell happened to them. Were they, you know, rigging the games where, you know, did they get knowledge? Like, who knows? But no one predicted this. Um, And Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, Wink Martindale, Joe Shane, uh, in part, obviously, he's not on the field coaching, but all these guys coming together and turning this pretty subpar roster into a 5-1 and one team. Uh, I talked about this a little bit in the quick reaction video we did right after the game, but you look at these players, and it's not to say that they're bad players, right? There, We have a ton, we have a few very good players, don't get me wrong, Andrew Thomas, Dexter Lawrence, Xavier McKinney, Saquon Barkley, obviously, uh, one of the greats in football right now, but I think this team is really described by the current wide receiver room. Um, you look at players like Marcus Johnson, who is just elevated from the practice squad, kind of a guy, you know, he's had a good career in the NFL, uh, but kind of in and out uh, of different teams, never really stuck to one place, never really stuck on a roster, um, you know, been elevated a couple times and has made a couple of big catches. Uh, you know, maybe he's not putting up 100-yard games, but he is catching those big third and long passes that Daniel Jones is dishing out. Darius Slayton, a guy who everyone was writing off, uh, you know, at, at this point in his career after his, uh, you know, s- not great season, I would say last season and the, you know, you know, rumors and developments in training camp. Um, and then you guy like Richie James, who's never really been considered a, a you know, a wide receiver. He was more considered a, you know, a punt returner, kick returner type guy. Similarly to a player on the Ravens, Devin Duvernay, who's now kind of getting his shot at uh, playing the wide receiver role completely. But, you know, he's another guy who's a great example. David Sills, is a guy who's been bouncing, uh, well, not really bouncing around, but just staying stuck on the Giants practice squad for the past few years. He finally gets his chance under this new regime, and he's making big plays as well. Fourth rounder, in terms of your shifting to tight ends now. Tanner Hudson, a guy that most people have never heard of. Chris Myrak, uh, who had that one touchdown last season, you know, and then obviously Daniel Bellinger, a fourth round pick, you know, a huge impact getting a touchdown 
uh, in this one. You know, Daniel Bellinger is he's becoming Daniel Jones is almost primary target right now uh, in this offense currently with all these injuries at the wide receiver position. I think the wide receiver, the pass catchers in this team really signify the bigger team as a whole. It's this gritty group, you know, kind of written off, um, but they're able to put it together with solid coaching, um, you know, very good coaching. Josh yelled at me on the reaction video when I said only good coaching with great coaching, uh, you know, great play call. There it is. And uh, and obviously a defense as well that is really coming up to play despite uh, some of its huge gaping holes, right? This team, this, you know, this defense, you look at linebacker, with Tay Crowder, Jalen Smith, who was just signed from the practice squad. Uh, he was a free agent for a while. You look at CB2, Fabian Moreau, a guy who was never really uh, deemed a starter uh, in the NFL. He was just starting last season on that abysmal Falcons team. Um, and then, you know, th- those are two huge roles on a defense, and this defense is able to continue rolling. Uh, and no Leonard Williams for a couple weeks. Obviously, he made his return. But this team is all about not the individuals. It's collective. Um, and, and the coaching has really just gotten the best out of every single player. And the Giants getting their, you know, earning their fifth win today in week six of football. Uh, the Giants in their entirety of last season ended with four wins. So Crazy. the Giants of 2022 have already surpa- surpassed the Giants of 2021 in wins in week six. Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um, it, and it's great. Uh to say the least. I guess, since you already talked about Daniel Bellinger, I have to give credit to myself saying that he was my player to watch in Friday's oh, was podcast. He? I, I don't remember he, now, yeah. I'm sure you picked him. Oh, yeah, you did. All right, nice. Oh, wait, I got a good one, too, actually, for my player. I picked a good player, so I'm happy. All right, continue. <laughs> okay, who'd you pick? You have Julian to Love now. got the yeah. interception, obviously. So both of us got a W on that. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. Um, Daniel Bellinger leading. <laughs> I know I, that's great. Okay, cool. Anyway, um, Daniel Bellinger, like Alex said, led the team uh, in receiving yards today with thirty-eight on five catches, seven point six yards per catch, and one touchdown. Obviously, that crucial touchdown, which there were three Giants wide receivers, and then the tight end Daniel Bellinger going to the left side of the end zone, which confused the Baltimore Ravens defense, uh, leading to Bellinger being able to jump up and catch that ball. He, uh, Alex, you already mentioned it, but he came up with a few crucial plays, not just that one. He also got a few, uh, a one first down, I remember, on a third down in the third quarter uh, that was also helpful to that drive. And I guess we can just go through the stats now because we're at that point. Daniel Jones today had a pretty good performance. Uh, again, keeping up his average to uh, good season. 19 for 27 with 173 yards. Six and a half yards per pass about. Two touchdowns, no interceptions on the day. He didn't run the ball much though. Only six carries for six yards and that was barely anything compared to what we've seen Daniel Jones beforehand. Especially too, last week I believe in the Packers game, uh, he was rushing the ball as well. Not consistently, but he did rush the ball a couple of times. I know he's like, I I hope he's still not coming off that injury from a couple weeks ago. I think he's fully 100% at this point besides now the... Um, the injured bloody hand from last week, the scab was reopened early in the first quarter. But besides that, um, I don't think the the lower body injury that he had earlier, um, what was it, a leg injury? Ankle, yeah. Ankle injury 
um, is back to haunt him. So maybe it was just the playbook for this week. Moving I mean, on he, to did si- a, he did attempt a couple of runs. It's just they weren't very successful. Some of them were blown up right away. So I think that was part of it. A lot of read option as well, uh, where it was kind of like he handed off to Saquon instead or Matt Breida or whoever was at the running back position at that time. Yeah, uh, moving on to Saquon Barkley with 22 carries for 83 yards, almost four yards to carry. He also had that touchdown where he leaped into nobody in the end zone, was completely uncovered. Really there. had two touchdowns, if we're being honest, because at the end of the yeah. game, he could have walked right in, but made the smart play. So kudos to him. Sorry Saquon, to all his fantasy owners, though. It's <laughs> about to make the comment as well. Uh, Saquon fantasy owners down in the dumps after that second not touchdown. But Saquon, really, I like to give credit to him. Although he didn't have the game, per se, stats-wise, where it's like 22 carries, 83 yards. You should have over 100 with 22 carries. This man was fighting an injury throughout the game, and you saw that especially when he yeah. re-aggravated that shoulder in the third quarter, was yelling in pain when he got tackled on the shoulder, ran off to the sideline, Ran up and down, came back in the following play. Was out for one play between those two, you know, uh, between that point of re-injuring the shoulder. Matt Breida stepped in. He came back in the following play and helped, I think, get a first down. So, Saquon, I like to give credit to him just because of his resiliency, being able to come back into this game uh, on multiple occasions when being injured and finishing strong, uh, especially with that play towards the end, like you said, Alex. Really putting the icing on the cake. You can say that the Kayvon Thibodeau um, fumble was that play, which it was. But the Ravens still did have a timeout to spare. Saquon getting that first down, you know, putting himself sliding right down at the one. Really put the icing on the cake. Gave the Giants a victory. Uh, So, you know, give credit to Saquon where credit is due. In the passing game, he also had three catches for 12 yards. Uh, which is four yards per catch. Moving on to Wandell Robinson, three catches for 37 yards. One touchdown as well for him. Wandale, you have to say, the guy, he like played a limited amount of snaps today coming off uh, an injury, hasn't played a game. I would since say very he- limited, actually. Probably, he. I we don't have the exact numbers out, but if I were to guess, probably like 35% of the snaps, 40 at most. Uh, he was yeah. not out there a lot. Maybe even less than that, Alex. Uh, But Wanda Robinson, don't write off the guy. Because with the three catches, he had, well, obviously, one of them touchdown. But they were crucial plays. And they were two of them were um, 10-plus yard receptions, I want to say. Yeah, one of them was a third down conversion. Yeah, yeah, 17-yard third down conversion was crucial for that game, for this game. And um, Marcus Johnson as well. We already talked about him. But two catches for 25 yards in this one. Slayton had a catch for 18 yards along reception. Richie James, two catches, 18 yards. And then Matt Burita had two catches. David Sills had a catch. With these guys out, with Kenny Galladay out, Kadarius Tony, they're nowhere to be found. It doesn't seem like it's affecting the wide receiving the wide receivers room. Because I, I guess not, yeah. Yeah, I mean, while you know, Kadarius Tony might be working on writing new songs for his album, and Kenny Galladay struggling with injury number who knows what in his career of not being on the field during practice or in games. These wide receivers are putting their head down and they're going to work. Darius Slayton, like you said, Alex, I'm sorry I'm reiterating his point already, but Alex mentioned how Darius Slayton was written off because of three catches he could have made last year. Yes, they were big catches for touchdowns. I understand that. But everyone had him not making the roster. Most people, at least, had not had him not making the roster. He makes the roster. He's really down in the depth chart. He gets a healthy scratch in week one. What is going on with Darius Slayton? Even the coaches aren't valuing him. He makes one catch today. That one catch is a big play. You know, these guys are going to work every day, and it's paying off in game, and that's what you love to see. Yeah. I mean, you look at a guy like Marcus Johnson. I keep going back to him, (laughs) but 
Every single catch, I feel like it's on third down. It's a third down conversion. Both his catches today were on third down conversions. Um, he They were both on third down. Both picked up the first down. Like, this guy is just there at the right moment, at the right time. And he seems to be, you know, he's not, like, the best hands. He's not the quickest. He's very quick, but he's not the quickest, right? He doesn't have anything... Uh, you know, abnormal about him, but he just goes about his business like the rest of this Giants team does, uh, and he get he makes plays and he gets catches, and that's really the most important thing. You know, none of these guys, our highest, our leading receiver was a tight end uh, who was picked in the fourth round with only five receptions for 38 yards. Our highest receiving uh, total was 37 yards for Wanda Robinson. It's not like any of these guys are really, you know, flashing, but it's you know, a combination, 37 yards here, then 25 yards for Marcus Johnson, 18 yards for Richie James, 18 yards for Darius Slayton, you know, a couple of, you know, 10, 15 yards for Saquon and Brita each. Like, that's where you start to get Daniel Jones is, you know, he's throwing for 173 yards, not great, but not terrible. Uh, and it's all these small pe- all these small places, uh, all these small pieces, excuse me, that are leading to, you know, the big plays. So we started off on offense. You ready to transition to the defense? Because yes. we also do have a lot of points here. And we can start out with Dexter Lawrence. So I'm happy you're ready to transition to the defensive side. I might need to get a jersey of him, man. My God, if he uh, when he gets an extension, <laughs> I'll do that. But. So yeah, Sexy Dexy gets another sack in today's game, which now puts his total at four. And I mentioned to Alex when we were preparing for the episode beforehand, I was like, I was looking at the schedule and the, the stats for him. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, Dexter Lawrence, his progression since the beginning of the season has come in these last three weeks, or at least on uh, stats-wise, sacks-wise, in the stat sheet. The last three weeks, he had one sack against the Bears, had two last week against the Packers, and now he has one against the Ravens. So the past three weeks, he's been cooking on defense. So credit to Dexter Lawrence here. He gets another one. I, I, I don't know... I, I forget how that drive happened. Did did the Ravens go down and get uh, points? I remember it was on... Like, it was I think really it was close field goal. Maybe it was really close to their own end zone though when the sack yeah. was. They were like within their own ten yard line, and he yeah. got the sack on Lamar Jackson. But what I would say about Dexter Lawrence is you see the pattern of when that started. As soon as Leonard Williams ste- went out with that injury, with that knee injury, Dexter Lawrence stepped up big time. He continued it even with Williams back today. Williams obviously not at a hundred percent yet. You could tell that, but you know Dexter Lawrence. The biggest shock for me, it's not that he he was always great in the run game. He was always able to hold up the run. Um, you know, and beat his block. But what he's doing in terms of the passing game, Josh, check this for me last season, but I think last season Dexter Lawrence could not have had more than like three sacks. Like he, how he's pressuring the passer, even if he's not getting the sack, putting his hands in the air, getting in the QB's face, beating his man time and time again, he's really turning into one of these elite defensive linemen uh, in the interior. He was always thought to be, even when Dave Gettleman drafted him, Back in 2019, he was always a, you know, he's going to stuff the run. He can't really rush the passer. He's not going to get pressure from the inside. You know, he's not Aaron Donald. He's not even Leonard Williams who gets a lot of pressure from the inside. But Dexter Lawrence, man, he has completely changed his game over this offseason. And he, he's, he's a wrecking ball now in that uh, offensive backfield. So let's, I mean, we talked about how the Giants have already beat their record of the five wins so far this season than they had last year. Dexter Lawrence is almost there, Alex. So he had two and a half sacks last year going to what you asked me to look up earlier uh, a few seconds ago. He already has tied his sack, le- uh, his most amount of sacks in a season to that 2020 mark he set of four. 
So he yeah. had two and a half sacks in 2019, four sacks in 2020, two and a half again last year, and now he's at four. So with one more sack or even a half a sack, he already sets in four seasons his um, his like I guess single season. Uh, personal record of uh, sacks in the season. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're an interior guy of his size, his impact in the run game, and you're getting six to eight sacks a season, you know, 20, 25 QB pressures, I mean, that's worth, you know, I'm not, it's worth more than this, but it's worth a million dollars, man. It's more, it's worth many million dollars, and obviously <laughs> that'll be seen in his contract if he continues this up. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's move on from one guy to another. Let's go to Fabian Moreau now, and we talked about a guy stepping up. Aaron Robinson, injured. Fabian Moreau, he's a veteran. He comes in, and honestly, he's played pretty consistently, uh, like, well. Uh, the, you know, maybe some passes happen here and there that, you know, receivers get caught that are just overall better than him. That is because he's not quarterback two material <laughs> on a depth chart on any other team. It's this Giants weak uh, you know, cornerback room at this moment, but he's stepping up to the challenge. And most times he's getting those pass deflections. He's making those plays today. He is second in the total amount of tackles by a Giants defensive player. Uh, Xavier McKinney in front of him had five or nine, excuse me, total tackles, five solo. Fabian Rowe, eight solo tackles, eight total tackles. So all those tackles being solo, but second on the team defense wise and not defense wise, but second on the team defensively tackles, um, yeah, Fabian Moreau just just stepping up to the challenge, accepting his role while Aaron Robinson is injured uh, behind Adoree Jackson, and he's getting the job done. So another guy uh, I'd like to shout out here. Yeah, I mean, another another player who's really stepping up to the plate. Like I mentioned, he started 16 games for that awful Falcons defense last season. Um, but, you know, are you really want to compare your defense to them, who are, I, I can't even imagine. They must have been giving up like 35 points a game last season. But, you know... It, this guy, you know, he he didn't start the season as the outside corner, like you mentioned, Aaron Robinson with the appendix, and then he has another injury now, I believe. Um, so it's it, it's tough to come in at the cornerback position, especially when you're thrown right in there, especially when you're in Wink Martindale's scheme where you're going to be playing man coverage 80% of the time, uh, especially when you're playing against certain teams uh, that have really great wide receivers. What I will note, right, the one of the weaknesses of this defense is the depth at corner. Um, and the teams we have faced in the past, you know, couple of weeks, few weeks, I guess, Bears, Packers, and Ravens now, neither of them really have that great of a receiving core. So if you want to look at the pessimistic side of it, uh, you could say that. I'm not going to go there, but, uh, you know, I, I guess I did because I brought it up, but um, that's certainly something to consider. But, you know, Fabian Moreau, he's come up with big plays. He almost got that interception. Wish he hang, uh, hung on to that but certainly uh, another guy who's just kind of a filling-in-the-gap type player, and he's really stepping up and making important plays. Yeah, well, Alex, remember, it was Aaron Robinson that it was the appendix, like you mentioned. He came back against the Bears and immediately got injured in that game, that knee injury that is possibly season-ending. Correct. We don't know yet. We could see a lot more Fabian Moreau, and honestly, at this moment, when he's playing very well, it's not the worst thing that could happen. There could be very... Very well uh, could be uh, more awful uh, injuries happening to the Giants team. What well, I would, what I, I want to say yeah. like that. Let me, <laughs> let me clear that up. Right, let me clear I'll that up before clear. you go. <laughs> there could be um, uh, worse more areas. More impactful 
injuries. Yeah, there could be more impactful injuries to, to less uh, areas of depth on this Giants roster. What I'm just trying to say is Sabian Renault is playing pretty well right now. So we have to see if we if Giants fans have to see more of him throughout the rest of the season. Um, it's fine. It's okay. Anyway, let me let me stop with the stumbling. Alex, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, obviously, Aaron Robinson, He this is kind of his, if you want to say it, rookie year at outside corner. Uh, so it's not like Aaron Robinson was kind of like this all-worldly shutdown corner. Um, I, I think he was playing pretty good before the appendix situation and the injury, the knee injury, like you mentioned. But uh, I think in terms of like, I wouldn't say Fabian Moreau's necessarily a downgrade um, on Aaron Robinson necessarily. I think Aaron Robinson's obviously younger. He's got a lot of potential, a lot of upside uh, and we'll see what he does in the future. But I think as, you know, a like-for-like like replacement, I don't think it really, um, you know, is a big downgrade or impact as maybe going from like a Dory Jackson to Fabian Moreau might have been for this Giants defense. Um, I guess we'll hit on the Julian Love interception. We didn't talk about that. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson forced out of the pocket. Um, it's third down. He throws it down the field. Uh, and Julian Love uh, jumps up in the air, snatches it, almost brings it back for a pick six but it gets it to around the 10-yard line. And it was just great, you know, great read from Julian Love and and this defense holding up again on third down. I was so nervous that play, Alex, because <laughs> it was a missed snap, so it was already yeah. a fumble. Lamar Jackson picks yeah. it up. He scrambles left. He's about to lose 30 yards if he gets tackled for a sack. And it really looks like Lamar Jackson is about to pull a Lamar Jackson oh and my God, I thought he was throw gonna, it down yeah. the field. They're going to get a first down. It's going to be a 40-yard gain <laughs> after it could have been a loss of 30. And Giants fans, hands on their head, are going to be like, what just happened? <laughs> um, but luckily, three Giants, I think, all in that same place where Lamar Jackson threw it. Luckily, one of them came down with it, that being Julian Love, ran through it and got it into the red zone. Um, Giants' so, first yeah. interception of the year. Correct, and and credit to him. They were the only team going into this game, the only NFL team that did not have an interception to this point. But it wasn't that they weren't forcing turnovers because they had like a pretty good amount of fumbles. They just yeah. hadn't gotten their Tied first interception. Second most in fumbles so far. I believe they had eight going into this game. Um, nine now, obviously, with the yep. fumble at the end. But uh, yeah, certain, well, now they're joint top with Denver. Thank you, Ian Eagle, for that stat. I think we stole it from him, but you know, we'll... <laughs> Well, you know, he came on the podcast, so then, you know, shout out to him. But uh, yeah, no, just random comments at this point. Random and then obviously, outs. and then obviously, Kayvon Thibodeau uh, with the game-winning strip sack. And it was kind of like if Kayvon Thibodeau was going to have his first sack, it was going to have to be a big one. Uh, and you can't get bigger than a game-winning sack, strip sack of Lamar Jackson. No one really, you know, it's hard to grab Lamar Jackson, sack him. In general, right? And, and then to get the ball loose, that's another thing. So really impressive from uh, from Thibodeau. Alex, he had him at least three times in this game. Kayvon Thibodeau, it was the freaking RPOs, man. It was two times. Lamar Jackson faked the handoff to J.K. Yeah. Dobbins to his right. Kayvon Thibodeau was literally in the backfield both times, stopped running because he thought J.K. Dobbins was about to run, at, run right at him. Lamar Jackson faked it both times to Dobbins, took took uh, took off both times for a first down. So, like, Thibodeau was ready for that moment. He wanted it all game. You could tell. Uh, and both times in that RPO option when Lamar Jackson just took it off and ended up going for a first down after you thought it was going to be a loss of yards, he knew he wanted it uh, and finally got Lamar Jackson down after almost being so close repeatedly. What I would say about that type of play, right? I'm not comparing him to any of these players, but that's what a player like Miles Garrett does at the end of the game. Obviously, he didn't do it today. The Browns got blown out. But 
Um, you know, that's the kind of play that Aaron Donald makes, TJ Watt makes, Joey Bosa makes, Nick Bosa makes, that these elite pass rushers make at the most critical points. Aaron Donald, you saw what he did in the Super Bowl last year. You know, that's what the value of having someone who could be, you know, of that echelon of pass rusher in Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, and I think that's what you spend, invest the draft capital in number five overall to hope that you get that impact maker on defense, that playmaker um, on defense and really ends the game for the Giants. And that's why you have to invest in the pass rusher. And then also, obviously, investing in those who protect the quarterback from the pass rushers. Yeah. Um, and Alex, so we mentioned all of these positives, many, 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 many positives in this game. We have to touch on the negatives. I know there was a couple people, um, I don't know if it was last podcast, but that someone said like, why do you guys have to like touch know, on? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I I'm, think it was I'm... directed at me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I'll, I'll take it the blame too. There's always negatives and positives in games, whether it's a win or it's a loss. This game was 24, 20, another close win for the giants. Um, but there were some negatives and we do have to cover it. Unfortunately, being a Giants podcast, you have to talk about both wins and losses and negatives and positives. So first of all, Kenyon Drake ran all over this Giants defense with 10 carries for 119 yards, almost 12 yards per carry with a touchdown. Lamar Jackson did the same thing. But the thing is, Lamar Jackson, I'll allow it because seven carries for 77 yards. They held him pretty good when it came to passing, obviously having that, um, interception against him Julian Love he only went had 210 yards passing 17 for 32 that's not that good for Lamar Jackson although although pay that man uh was was said um by did you see this already on Twitter Alex no I didn't see I you know I'm not like I'm kind of oblivious when it comes to social media unfortunately well, yeah, but I, I mean, you're, you're pretty on good Twitter. On, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty yeah. So Paul Schwartz tweeted out that on the hot mics in the locker room, let me just pull up the tweet. I think it was Paul Schwartz. Um, Jihad, uh, no, no, no. Jihad Ward said something. Now I have to figure it out who said it. But yeah. anyway, continue. <laughs> what I was going to say is whenever Kenyon Drake broke, broke off a huge run, my God, I have, I'm, I still have some uh, grudge against him for screwing up my fantasy team two years ago. I picked him in the second round. Still, you know, it's, I'm still don't forgive him. But anyway, uh, it was kind of like Kenyon Drake kept running for like 30 yards a carry, and then they just didn't run the ball with him. I don't know what they were doing. You know, he got stopped like once for four yards, and then they just like gave up on Kenyon Drake. I was like, what are you doing? We couldn't stop the run for our lives. So yeah, I was talking about pay that man. It was Giants linebacker Jihad Ward. Yeah, uh, again, uh, former Ravens outside linebacker screen. Pay that man. Pay Lamar Jackson into the microphones in the locker room. Um, so Lamar Jackson, although he didn't do so well passing against the Giants, so good credit to them for that. Uh, he did do pretty well rushing the ball. And then finally, the last negative we have here, but positive for the Ravens, was Mark Andrews just went off once again. Seven catches for 106 yards, 15 yards per catch, and one touchdown. And Alex, that kind of gave me the Giants defense against tight ends of old. You know, we always talked about in the past couple years, tight ends. How are they always getting open? We can't guard the tight ends. This time, it happened in this game. Besides that, they've been pretty good against tight ends I mean, there's a difference, though. I mean, Mark Andrews, you're looking at, like, the Mark Andrews, the Darren Wallers, the Travis Kelsey, now, you know, Kyle Pitts probably. Uh, you yep. know, he's a generational player. But these tight ends, that it's it's not like, you know, it's not like we're giving up yeah, catch after catch to Cameron Brait, you know, which we've done in the past. Uh, you know, no disrespect to him, but he's just not on the level. Uh, you know, he's your more typical tight end. All right, that's all I'm trying to say. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, is that it? I mean, I don't like. <laughs> I think I mean, we got I everything think that's covered. It. I don't. I you know, in general, to wrap it up, obviously everything falls back on the quarterback. I thought Daniel Jones had an all right game today. Um, I think, to be honest, I know you know I'm not going to try to be like negative or anything, but I don't think Daniel Jones had a great game. I think there were some miss you know misreads on his part, uh, misjudgments. Sure. I. I'm still, you know, I know a lot of Giants fans are like, oh my God, you know, the most important thing is that you win. And if you're a quarterback, that's the most important thing. And he is winning. Um, but in the long term, I think teams will start to figure out the Giants a little bit, right? This isn't going to go on forever uh, if we are if we have to be realistic. Uh, there's definitely some schematic things that teams are going to start to figure out. Um, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how this team adapts, how Daniel Jones adapts. Um, Because right now it feels very much like he's a system quarterback, similar to your Kirk Cousins or your um, Derek Carr, kind of, but I kind of put him above that, Um, where I think he's he's good enough to run the system. But is he going to be good enough when things kind of fall apart? Is he going to be able to make the big plays? He's done that from time to time this season. That's going to be the big tell going forward. Well, this is what's good about the strength of schedule, Alex. They just played two pretty... Pretty uh, probably our big, toughest two opponents. That's what I was gonna say. Um, they played two really big games coming up, or they played two big games the, these past couple weeks against the Packers and now against the Ravens, the two toughest opponents. They played next week in Jacksonville against the Jaguars. It's a very winnable game. They can get it done. Following that, it's the Seahawks, the Texans, and the Lions. You know what I'd say though? Here's a funny thing: all those teams are so hit and miss. Like Geno Smith turns into like Michael Vick at certain points and it's crazy and then you know uh who else did you say the Lions right Jared Goff turns into Tom like those teams are so like fluctuating in the way they play sometimes they're terrible and sometimes they're amazing um so I think as much as I I don't want to I don't like using this term but I think they're trap games in a sense uh that you really have to be focused because those those teams their offenses in particular can just explode well, we know that this team, they're not going to go into these games lacking anything, you know, lacking intensity. The coaches are going to make sure their heads are in the right place. Um, they're not going to be any anywhere, I think, on the field with uh, I'm better than you mentality. Uh, I think they, they still keep their heads held low here, um, even though they, I mean, I'm sure their heads are actually held very high right now, have, five and one. Hold them high, hold them high. Um, not, you know. hold, hold them high, <laughs> but let's let's still be humble here uh, and go into this game against Jacksonville next week with a lot of effort um, and a lot of confidence because Jacksonville's coming off a loss today against Indianapolis on a heartbreaker 34-27 loss, high-scoring game, high-scoring game of the day so far, at least as we're recording this during the 4 o'clock window of games. And Giants are coming off a really close win, so let's take that into next week. Alex, what a win, man. I mean, I got to end it with some energy so here. Hyped. Giants 24, Ravens 20. The Giants become 5-1 and one this season. Um, wow. <laughs> I, I like We're going week by week. It's and we have, shocked, to, we have man. to cherish these moments, take these in for our third season here, I want to say, of the podcast. This is the best the Giants have been in a long, long time. So um, we appreciate you listening or watching. You can hit that subscribe button wherever. Uh, you do so. Shipitstudios.com slash giant take is where you can find more places to listen to the podcast. We are on a bunch of social media channels, including Twitter and TikTok at the Giant Take Pod, Instagram and Facebook um, at the Giant Take Podcast, at Anoyan23. Alex is on Twitter at Josh 29 I am on Twitter. 
If I talked all that stuff over too fast, that's okay. It'll be in the podcast notes or description. Or if you weren't even listening, it'll be there for that reason too. Alex, close us out. Thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the Giant Take Podcast. A huge win for the Giants and we'll see you uh, previewing Jacksonville looking to go 6-1. and one. Peace. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.